Yes, hello. I am James Roden. So today it's a WNR three seven four EW Prelude, and I'm not alone. I have the pleasure to be joined by Jaxi. How are you doing? Hi, all good. How are you, James? Oh, all the better for having you on the show to join me for AEW today. I'm doing well. How are you? You know, uh, things are going well for you, I suppose. Yeah, things are all good. Thank you. Uh, starting a new role next week and just, you know, enjoying wrestling life right now. Well, this is weird to have you on because this is the first time we've reviewed AEW together. We've been on the other side, you yeah. know, w- <laughs> WWE. Uh, how long yeah. have you been? Wa- how long have you been watching AEW? Um, I have to admit, I am one of those uh, fans that started with AEW from the beginning and I've stuck with it ever since. So um, I've been doing both shows. Um, again, I'm one of those uh, people on wrestling Twitter that just really enjoys the wrestlers. It's not really about the brand. So I'm not one of those people that's WWE versus AEW. I love both both brands. Yeah, and if that was the case here on the podcast, we'd be against ourselves anyway in a kind of weird timeline. Mm. So I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I suppose you know, <laughs> it will work out. Uh, so yeah. we're going we're gonna to cover Dynamite, three episodes of Dynamite today, and the first ever Rampage. But before we start, the massive rumours swirling around uh, at this moment in time. CM Punk, Daniel Bryan to AEW. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is this a real game changer if it happens? I mean, you know, th- this is kind of like the, the best kind of news to get as a wrestling fan to be honest you've got two iconic wrestlers who are extremely talented and who should definitely be somewhere in on a wrestling card um and both of them potentially going to AEW this is definitely big not just for them but for the company as well itself as well they're already picking up such huge stars as it is so if if this is true and they've managed to actually you know get some sort of deal with both Daniel Bryan and CM Punk is going to be Christmas for us. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really, really is. And uh, But do you think there's a chance AEW might shoot themselves in the foot? I mean, they've hyped up the first dance in Chicago. They've sold out, you know, massive mm. 23,000 arena. Uh, of course, yep. you've got all out coming to Chicago and another tour there. If it's mm. not CM Punk, then will there kind of like you said will there be a reaction to it i think there will definitely be a reaction to it if cm punk doesn't turn up however i don't know if it will solely be on like the sort of aew stars that that would necessarily get the brunt of the blame i think that you know it it could be seen as you know even um them sort of like calling out punk being like well what are you doing then uh where are you (laughs) You've got those fans here looking for you. So what are you doing? Um, but then you know, I it was really really strange because there was a um, a, a quote made by John Cena this week as well um, about CM Punk. You know, like he had said to Roman Reigns on on this week's SmackDown, something like, you know, maybe I'll just take that title off you, walk out into the audience and blow you a little kiss. And you're just like, why are everyone dropping these Punk? things like it, it's it really is something to throw you off balance i think there will be a lot of extreme disappointment if he doesn't actually show up in chicago do, do you know thank i would uh, and again i love AEW and wwe you know as much as anything together but it'd be hilarious if cm punk showed up at fucking SummerSlam. the AEW fan oh my gosh <laughs> could you imagine okay that would be carnage that i 
you know, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that we can actually hold uh, wrestling fans like accountable for their actions if he actually did turn up at summer's. Also, I would just be like, why? Why would you do that to yourself, punk? Oh, um, I hope he doesn't do that. It would be the biggest swerve. It would, we just, oh my god, it would be the biggest slap in the face for all wrestling. <laughs> well. It's... Like I said, that's a great way to start, but we're going to go now into Dynamite, the July 28th edition, and it's Wednesday. You know what that means. So last time out, we had Fight Fest, but Fight of the Fallen had a stacked card as well. And we see the intro ready to start, and my first match is Hangman Adam Page and Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, Eva Uno, John Silver, and Stu Grayson, versus the Elite, Doc Gallows, Machine Gun, Carl Anderson, Kenny Mega, Matt, and Nick Jackson, Elimination Tag Team matchup. Um, of course, if the Dark Order and Page lost, they would lose their opportunities at the titles. I really enjoyed the entrances. The pop for the cowboy and the attires uh, was oh sensational. Yeah. And then, of course, the Elite coming up just as the Space Jam as well. What we <laughs> um so let's let's start with the good stuff because dark orders entrance with hangman page was probably the first time we've actually seen them all kind of dressed like a team and the utter pop that hangman page got was just insane um he is such a great character and just finally seeing him accept the dark order as friends um was just such a heartfelt moment and seeing them all kind of like posed together in the ring yeah it was, it was such a really really great moment and then you had the elite oh god yeah. the reason why I love these guys is because they really are so happy to take the piss out of themselves and it's like you know they're being the ultimate assholes you know that they they can be and that's just even shown in their outfits and their attitude, them coming down in the Space Jam outfits and then, you know, kind of all acting like they're they're the basketball team. <laughs> it was just all of it was brilliantly done. It was just like you really just think to yourself, what a pair of assholes. <laughs> and it, it, like I said, the, the comparison between the two, like that's, the Dark Order's entrance is probably one of my favourite entries I've seen in a long yeah. time and like you said the crowd mm. back, it's just so pure yeah, and, and pe- yeah pe- and pe- do you know what they, they sorry as I was saying before how I had started with um you know watching them from uh at AEW from the beginning beginning seeing how um the Dark Order got off to a rocky start seeing how Brody Lee came in and shaped and molded it into something else and then seeing the amount of respect the Dark Order actually have now it was it's it's just been so great to watch their journey as as a as a group as a faction right, uh, and like i said page is the most over face for probably in professional wrestling for a very yeah. long time he even go back to kind of a daniel bryan at yes or maybe you know like the crowd 100 mm-hmm. behind him uh but don Callis in sh- i will say that uh and we start the match. Uh, despite a hot start by the baby faces, the Hills struck first as Kyle Anderson rolled up Alex Reynolds with a handful of tights to score the first elimination. Even though no, even up the odds, pinning machine guns and in packing. Grayson nearly killed himself for a corkscrew to the outside. And then a oh new gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then a new Jack style dive, which led him and Doc Gallows to be counted out. Uh, that led to three on three. And then we see a V-trigger and a one-winged angel by Omega to Uno, giving the Hills go hand, even Page. And John Silver defended dreams of holding the AEW gold against Omega and the Bucks. And we see Silver unloaded on Nick Jackson delivering a burning hammer for a strong near fall. The Bucks halted his mentor with an indie take on the arena floor, leaving him motionless. The BTE triggered to Silver led to his elimination, left Page to go it along against the core members of the elite. And at this moment, 
it's a perfect story told because you've got Paige, the guy we're rooting for, against three, mm. three you would argue, the three biggest stars in AEW at this moment in time. Definitely. Agreed. And um, there, there's like that certain amount of pressure as well because of the fact that we have to take into account this is sort of like first time for like live audiences being back. There's, there's a lot of pressure to kind of, you know, st- uh, be able to like hit your moves properly. As you said, with Stu Grayson's court screw, I really worried for his head for a second there. Um, but I also did notice how um, John Silver uh, noticed, took notice and was instantly over checking on him and stuff. You can really see kind of uh, the coordination being there and, and, and it, first and foremost, always checking the, the health and safety. Yeah, well, I don't know that's an excellent point. But Paige overcame a three-on-one disadvantage and wiped the competition out with a top right moonstock to the floor. He added a double buckshot lariat and pinned Matt Jackson for the latest elimination. Omega benefit from distraction from Nick Jackson using the TNA Championship for a near fall, adding two V-triggers for concluded with a one, winged Angel for the pin full victory. Uh, so the match overall, because it was fantastic, wasn't it? <laughs> It was a brilliant match. And I think, especially when I was watching it at first, I was extremely disappointed with the outcome. However, after kind of sleeping on it, like this is just storytelling at its finest. Look at, if, you, if you've been following Hangman Page's career since the beginning of AEW, he was uh, the, the, the favorite to be the first ever AEW champion everyone was disappointed that he didn't get there he then went on this you know really good flex with having um um uh Kenny Omega and him in that in in that tag team championship run um and and kind of watching the downfall that was kind of happening with him and spiraling and then you see this big sort of like what what looks to be a redemption for him and he's still not able to get there it's storytelling at its finest because the minute that he does end up being able to take that belt off Kenny Omega, and it will be Kenny Omega he takes it off of, it's just going to feel so much more rewarding. Um, so I, I just think that this was just really a really brilliant match, showcasing all of the wrestlers involved and just really great additional storytelling. Yeah, like I said, my notes, this is near-perfect storytelling. Exactly the same page coming, oh, all so okay. close to achieving his goal of the AEW World Title opportunity. I only see it slip through his fingers via a numbers disadvantage. Um, it's great to see Johnny Hungy as well, one of my favourites in AEW. Yeah. Uh, but what did you think about JR not being happy? He just w- wasn't enjoying the matchup at all, was he? You know, like... Uh, do you know what? I, I must admit, I, I didn't really listen much to the commentating of that match because I was just so engrossed in, in the match itself. So I didn't even hear if he was, if he wasn't I'm, happy. I'm, but I mean, JR, I was. <laughs> Saying stuff like there's just too many guys in the ring at once. You know, there's too many things happening going, is this that, is what is AEW's that just old all age about. There? Is that like old <laughs> age there just saying that? Because, I mean, this this is this is what, like you say, wrestling is about. It's absolute carnage. You wouldn't hear JR saying that about Royal Rumble, would you? No, this is the thing. Um, well, we move on. We see Packy's interview backstage. He says the Lucha Brothers are here at the airport, but it seems an honest individual cancelled their car. I wonder who that could be. And speaking mm. of who it could be, Andrade El Idelo and Chavo Guerrero Jr. interrupt. Chavo apologises for the travel issues and says he booked a limousine for Lucha Brothers. Andrade wants Pat to learn to treat his people better because if he doesn't, they work for someone who will. Interesting there. Um, 
we see Taz is on the FTW branded podium or something. It gives Ricky Starks a big intro. There's a live brass band and everything. Starks gets in the yeah. ring and on the mic. And he says he loves the intro and notes that Will Hobbs is out recruiting. He talks about winning the FTW championship and getting rid of garbage that is Brian Cage. He's been the glue and the anchor of Team Taz since day one. Can't let things slide. Uh, he could forgive Cage for constantly matches, but he can't forgive him for not checking on him when he broke his neck. Uh, enter Brian Cage, basically coming down. He drops a trombone player with a lariat and smashes a brass drum over the percussionist's head. And trombone in hand, Cage goes to the ring and breaks it over his knee, start, throws the roses at him and runs away. Uh, what were your thoughts on this very WWE segment? <laughs> Definitely with the with, with the um, uh, drummers and everything out there, it's very WWE. Um, uh, but uh, however, I did like it, and I'll tell you why. I just think that Ricky Starks is an absolute narcissistic asshole, and it, it's just like very entertaining to watch him. Um, I, I must admit, when uh, they like kind of screwed him, uh, Brian Cage over for sort of uh, the title stuff, I I was a bit disappointed. I thought we'd get more time with uh, him being in Team Taz at first. However, you know, I feel like Brian Cage does have a lot of talent that he's probably been held back from being able to kind of deliver as part of being a part of Team Taz. Uh, I do, however, think that this needs to kind of like shift a little bit so that it's more of a feud between um, Brian Cage and Will Hobbs. And I'm not saying that because they're just two big guys, but because Will Hobbs was the one who ended up really costing Brian Cage the match, not Ricky Starks. Brian Hobbs was the one that kind of um, used the belt. And I want to see, um, I, I, sorry, Will Hobbs. Um, I want to see Will Hobbs used more. I think he's a brilliant wrestler. Um, he's He's got so much talent and I'm kind of like wanting to see him in feuds more. I think him and Brian Cage, Brian Cage would be just so dominant in the ring. It would be quite exciting to see both of these Goliaths in the ring taking one another on and just letting loose. Yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed with Brian Cage, just kind of the, the, his treatment as such, because the guy's just a monster, and it seems mm. pretty simple to do what they do. But I think they've... Not maybe unleashed yet. <laughs> yeah, but what maybe I think, because he, he obviously, I think he needs someone to talk from as well. And, and maybe what I would do if I yeah. was kind of like fancy booking is maybe get uh, Jake St. Roberts, because he obviously has got Lance Archer at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah. Pair him with Cage and have two absolute monsters. Jake does the talk, and these two guys... Course. They can that would be with, really good. They can feud with Team Taz as well, like we said, with Starks and uh, Will Hobbs, you know, and kind of build yeah. from that there, um, as it opposed to kind of, you know, Cage just going around and kind of... Because the thing is, if he goes around being this kind of bland baby face, then the crowd will eventually... Well, we've seen it. They're cheering more Ricky yeah. Starks than they are Cage sometimes, aren't they, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so you've got to kind of... Uh, ask yourself like you know which direction are they going with with either uh, man um just also to add on about team taz i do think that it would be really good um for team taz to actually get like a, a female within their faction um and i'd say that predominantly because then it opens up that that group to be able to have a lot more sort of um uh, sort of like intergender matches where you know Right now, we've got like sort of groups like the Best Friends with Chris Statlander. We've got the Dark Order with Anna Jay when she returns. So um, I, I just feel like, you know, each member of Team Taz, and that includes Brian Cage, uh, I feel like they they are underutilized. And I think that they all have individual talents that, that could be really well used. Um, 
And I think that even by getting another female and a female within their faction, it would be very good to then like um kind of see like where where the power struggle lies within different factions. Yeah, I think without that, I think it's it's the same that it's it's just so simple. And with the roster that they've got, they can find an addition to that team as well. Yeah. But we move on and we see Hiroshi Tanahashi send a promo talking up the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, promising to challenge a winner of tonight's match. And then we move on to FT uh, to FTR cash winner Dax Harwood versus Proud and Powerful Ortiz and Santana. We see Harwood and Wheeler cut the ring off, isolating Ortiz from his partner. A hot tag to Santana Sparks Babyface comeback that included Wheeler connected with his forearm on the steel post. The bloody after-effects kept him for the remainder of the match, forcing Harwood to finish it out. They clearly had to call some audibles along the way. Harwood ultimately pinned Santana to score the win. Um, I thought the crowd was surprisingly flat before the instant, and that cut looked nasty, didn't it? Yeah. It did. It really did. And I, I must admit, I, I really love these two teams. Um, but like, I, I, I'm honestly a, a huge, proud and powerful fan. And they really need like the, a, a win. They've been lo- they've been on a real losing streak. And I don't understand why they're such a great team. So I was a little bit disappointed by this match. I, I didn't see, you know, especially because you know FTR had been doing all these things like you know beating up Conan and stuff previously you'd have thought like you know they would have gotten that win in front of the crowd to be able to like you know get some sort of payback and things um and I I just think that they're another team that I really just want to actually get uh see pushed into more of a title picture now because Santana and Ortiz are so great like on mic or or cutting a promo um they're really passionate and and they've just got such personality and character in the ring. Um, and, and because of they have all with Jericho turned sort of face, like, I'm ready to see them sort of winning now. So, I yeah, that, the match disappointed me a little bit because of, I felt like after they faced FTR um, previously before that and lost that, I was hoping that they would have picked the win up. So I must admit, I was a bit disappointed by that match because I do love them. I do love FTR as well, but just obviously... Santana and Ortiz a little bit more. Yeah, well, uh, well, shame it ended like that. Cash is tended to by the medics for a pretty nasty looking uh, yeah. cut on his arm. And then we see Dr. Britt Baker, DMD's interview backstage. She says Nala Rose breaks bitches, but she still managed to tap her out with a broken freaking wrist. She sees she keeps getting hurt <laughs> and Reba can't keep looking out for her by herself. So it's time to get somebody to look out for them uh, as we go to break. And then we're back for commercial. Tony Schiavone's on stage. Special announcement for the AEW Rampage. And what we talk about on August 20th will be Chicago for the first dance. Particularly CM Punk chance go up after the announcement. And then Alex Marvez caught up with Darby Allen and Sting. And the former TNT champion said that the greatest wrestlers come to AEW to prove it. Even if you think you're the best in the world. What do you think this means? I mean, straight away, <laughs> like, I, I instantly thought of. CM Punk. So this goes back to what we were saying originally, um, originally about this is why fans would riot if, if like he's just not there because they're gonna be like, okay, well, Darby's calling him out. That was a clear, obvious reference. <laughs> it couldn't be more obvious if it had a yeah. sign that actually said CM Punk in it, I suppose. But <laughs> we. <laughs> We'll move on and it's the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. It's Hikaleu versus Lance. Came out with his son to a lovely pop. I always like it when Legends gets pop. And Haku's yeah. probably still the toughest man in the entire yeah. arena anyway. 
Um, Definitely. I still remember him and like his matches, uh, you know, teaming with Rikishi. It was like so dominant. Oh, I remember Jake the Snake Roberts saying once that if he was in a tank with a gun with a bullet in it and he's facing off of Haku, he would shoot himself. Yeah. That, just, that just shows you. That's just telling you a lot, isn't it? <laughs> Haku is a tough son of a bitch. Uh, and we see the big men in this match wage a physical war with young Hikale who controlled the pace during a commercial. The Murdoch monster fought back, walking the ropes, delivering a moonsault. Moments later, he put his opponent away with a blackout, fully pin full victory. We did see Haku with the death grip, though. I think the big oh, man is still gosh. green. Uh, what were your he, thoughts? He's still got it. He's still got it, hasn't he? Because when he did that, I was like, okay, he's still goddamn strong. Whoa. <laughs> um, the match itself was brilliant. Um, I think it was a great way to sort of introduce uh, um, him to AEW fans. And by bringing out Haku, who is such a legend, it kind of also solidifies who he is. Um he was also part of uh, the Bullet Club in New Japan, so I think that there was a lot of people that probably could have recognised him from there. But I think it was a really great showing um, for him to be introduced onto AEW. I look forward to seeing like more potential matches with him in it. Um, I definitely think that he's got the he's he's got the look to like draw people in, and I think he could actually go quite far if he stuck with AEW too. Well, we see Cody Rose interview backstage from the gorilla position, but then Malachi Black runs up and nails him with a big boot. They brawl. Cody drags him up the steps and out on the stage. The brawl continues, but Black lays him out with a wicked knee strike. Wrestlers and agents security swarm, but Malachi lays through out with the black mass. He stares at the chaos as we go to a break. The handling of Malachi Black at the moment has been fantastic, hasn't it? It, it really has, and it it's it really does just kind of go to show you how much WWE were really sitting on him and and not doing anything and utilizing that talent that he has he's just kind of come in and straight from the get-go just been dominant and it's just been so fun to see well back from commercial we get footage from earlier of Miro cutting a frame we talk about a dominant former WWE talent he says the TNT championships known for open challenges but since he won the title his challenges is drawn up but he's going to fight next week no one can take his divine right away from him the only thing that motivates him is, is a vengeful god and a double jointed wife uh, we move on to Christian Cage and Jurassic Express versus the Hardy family office Angelico Jose Casti and Mark Quinn See Cage chase a long time rival up the ramp to the back, eliminate the threat of interference. The way for base fought the opposition, and Cage scored the win for his team. And after the match, though, Captain Charisma caught a pair of brass knuckles to the face, courtesy of the blade. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, that was just a cheap shot by the blade, and um, I mean, the feud that they've been having kind of on and off with Orange Cassidy, it was like, okay, so now he's um, moved on, sort of thing, you know, to Christian. Uh, I didn't. I w- I was a little bit apprehensive because I was like, um, are they are they going for a full feud with Christian and uh, uh, Matt Hardy still? Are they still going through with this and stuff like that? Well, this is the thing. I think Cage needs to kind of move on from Hardy, you know, and kind of get thinking. away from it. Um, we 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 got kind of the nostalgia out the way, and I I do want to see kind of Christian get into some more sort of feuds with. People that aren't maybe from WWE. <laughs> uh, I think like that 
And I think the pace is so over, especially with, you know, Jurassic Express uh, coming out. And what I want to see is Jungle Boy on Luchasaurus' shoulders and Marco Stunt on Christian's shoulders. That's oh how I want to <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Can they do that, please? That would be amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but we talked about Santana on the tease earlier. Do you think Private Party are struggling maybe a little bit at this moment in time? Because they look to be going places early on in the year. I mean, I must admit the, the exact same, um, you know, even when you look look back on some of uh, the history that they've had before they were signed with the sort of Hardy Foundation, um, Isaiah Cassidy had an amazing uh, match against Chris Jericho. I think that they were both really on the right steps to, you know, maybe securing like their first championship win. However, I just, I hate using this word, but I feel like they've been jobbing out a lot lately. Um, and I don't know how much uh, good it is doing being part of this faction because you've kind of got like all this faction of all of these different tag teams. So it's like Private Party and then Butcher, uh, Butcher and the Blade and things like that. So I just wonder where they're going with this thing because if, if there's going to be, you know, an outcome to Private Party being with the. Uh, Hardy Foundation, then maybe there could be a reason why they, you know, they've been jobbing out too much, but like they, they, there doesn't seem to be anything happening with them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so but say, but there's a lot of I think AEW talent because there's a load of talent anyway. There I is. think a lot, a lot of them are kind of plateauing at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Just kind of staying in the same place. Or kind of, don't get me wrong, they're getting featured occasionally, but it's like even yeah. Orange Cassidy, like we talk about Orange Cassidy, you know, they had the uh, the, the the blade feud and now it's like what was he kind of kind of do you know where's he going lance archer you know he talks about brian cage i also he's... think it's quite difficult because of the the, the 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 amount of injuries that we've got to some tag teams right now you know like we've got um top flights uh dante who's fighting by himself at the moment because his brother's still injured uh is it ray uh, which one's injured it's either ray fenix or penta is it injured yeah. I think um, Phoenix injured, but hopefully, like I said, um, yeah. coming back soon. But like even Butcher, it, no, yes, yeah, the Butcher that's injured, you know. So um, I feel like um, once some of these tag teams actually start coming back, we can maybe get um, a couple more different feuds from within tag teams because you've got like you know FDR and and Santana and Ortiz right now uh, currently feuding and things like that. It's just like um, the private party just did so good in some of their uh tag team matches when when it they weren't a part of a faction it was just those two so i hope that with hopefully people returning from injury soon we can kind of get back to just featuring normal tag team feuds yeah yeah i think that's uh, an excellent point as well well back from commercial we get a video package for the ultra violent king himself nick gage uh, mdk eastern block h8 club represent apparently uh Varsity Blondes and Julie Hart get an inset promo. We'll talk about how they're going to prove herself tonight. Thunder Rose also gets a promo. She says she's an outsider, but tonight she's going to have her first official match as a member of the roster and show what she can do and release the Julie Hart versus a Thunder Rose. And Hart did pop a fight, showing gutsiness beyond the years, but it's no match for Rosa. She's competing on an entirely different level right now. Shaken off a bum left knee. Rosa picked up the win with Fire Thunder Driver to retain her number one ranking in the women's division. Uh, what a pop Rosa got she is now officially AEW so it must be her versus Baker at all out honestly if we don't get that you've got to remember go straight back to where the feud between her and Baker already uh, Britt Baker already started 
um, that unsanctioned match will go down in history as one of the best matches um, in women's in women's division history. Um, just hear, hearing that pop that Thunder Rosa got was amazing. Um, I'm a huge Thunder Rosa fan, um, and yeah, the match itself was really good. It it really kind of showed Julia's inexperience still. Um, and I'm not like you know saying that as a bad thing, but she is still quite young. She's got a lot to learn. So, you know, Thunder Rosa was able to use sort of like, um, you know, cheering tactics as, as, a, as a way of distraction and things like that. Sort of like really teaching her like sort of the ways of wrestling. And it's going to be really interesting to see her as a full time member of the roster now, because I think that she actually is going to be able to do a lot with the women in AEW and also be like a good mentor and teacher for for those uh, um, that are young and new to the business. Yeah, I, I think it's an excellent move all round, really, uh, with Thunder Rosa. We're back for commercial. John Muxley cuts a promo. Talks about watching Olympics and plays he hasn't seen, uh, can't seem to get into Japan lately. But the second he loses the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, Tanahashi shows his face. Screw him, he doesn't get to wrestle him. He's dead to him. He sent a huge stack of contracts to his boy in the office in Japan. We'll see what comes through the forbidden door. Maybe Tanahashi's the only smart one who learned from what happened to Nagata and Suzuki, who understands what's waiting on the other side of the forbidden door. Now, a guy, you could argue this, is John Moxley just hanging around at this moment in time as well? Definitely. But, I mean... I solely actually put that on the fact that he is, has just become a new father. Um, and I think that they wanted to give him like a little bit of time off to that, but like a more, a more uh, relaxed sort of schedule for the moment. Um, considering the fact that right now we, we are, so say, you know, hearing of these other big names that are coming into it. Uh, they're probably just get, uh, I, I feel they're just kind of giving him a little bit of a, um, sideline just so that he he can have uh, be a bit more relaxed can actually spend a bit more time at home with his family and his new daughter um, but I don't think it's going to be for long I think he'll come back uh, with a vengeance um, and I really just I'm hoping to maybe even see him more of him and John uh, Eddie Kingston because they're just they're great together would you rather see like a kind of team with Eddie Kingston or like kind of Moxley Hill turn because uh, you know, Moxie turning well, heel. We, I, I I really wouldn't mind it if he actually turned heel. I just don't know if it's the right time just yet. Um, I think if he is going to be turning heel, I think he should do it against someone other than Eddie Kingston because we've already kind of had a feud between them where it was Eddie Kingston who was the heel. Um, and I feel like if if John Moxie's going to go heel, like he has to like r- go against like a real baby face. Like imagine if he went up against Hangman Page. Um, after who knows let's say Hangman Page is successful somewhere uh, down the line at the end of the year maybe as champion and he's the biggest baby face put over and then you have John Moxley return with full vengeance as a heel that would be a great view to have between those two or even you know the likes of uh, John Moxley turning heel on the likes of Jungle Boy because oh, Jungle Boy yeah. is such a great heel as well uh, a great face sorry so like I I want um if if he was gonna be turning heel I'd want it to be done in an epic fashion against the ultimate babyface. Well, like I mean I could just imagine like this this the hardcore fight between Darby Allen and John Moxley like yeah. that I I would, would pay good. you know to see that. And speaking of hardcore matches. We've got the five labors of Jericho, no, no rules match main event for Dynamite. Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage. And Gage drew blood after slicing at Jericho's bicep with a pizza cutter and busting his forehead open. He shook off the shots to the midsection with Floyd, the baseball bat, and sawed away at the veteran's face with a crutter. Much to disgust of the commentary team 
and Domino's Pizza. Uh, after all this came after retrieving light tubes from underneath the ring, but not immediately you utilize them. Gay set up a pane of glass between the two steel chairs, but Jericho used it against him to live in a top rope hurricane runner that drove MDK, MDK through it. Um, I have been watching, you know, you talk about main level wrestling, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Mainstream. Mm-hmm. I yeah. have never, ever, even when it happened, I was just like, yeah, holy shit you know mm. like Jericho to take the risk with the, the glass everywhere um we see Gage recover the count of the code breaker by driving Jericho into the glass he added a series of light tube shots to the head and then Jericho recovered spewed the mist in the eyes of Gage and broke light tubes over his head a juice effect finished the contest contest much to the dismay of MJF Jericho giving everything to the sport some people love it some people hated it what were your thoughts on this matchup I mean, first and foremost, can I just say, what a scary man. <laughs> what an absolutely scary man. Um, I must admit, I had no idea who Nick Cage, Nick Cage was before um, uh, MJF had introduced him. But I certainly looked him up once he was sort of chosen as the next opponent for Chris Jericho. And I generally, at the beginning of this match, was terrified for Chris Jericho because what a scary man um and he just sort of proved it all throughout this match like how terrifying he, he is I, i've not I, I i don't think i was expecting jericho especially at his age to be going through a, a, a match quite like this um i know that there were some people who loved it some people who hated it i'm not going to say that i was one that absolutely loved it because i was actually mortified at half the stuff i'm watching figures. um but I must admit, I I just gained a lot of respect for Jericho as well at the same time for like even being able to handle a match like that. A lot of people may um, have disliked it, but I, I just thought that he did really well. I don't know how to feel about this man. I'm really scared of him. <laughs> it was just, he's a bad, bad man. And for Jericho yeah. to... Um to put his body through this as well because Gage you know to be fair yes he's getting paid in national TV but he doesn't need to hold back if he didn't want to you know this is the kind of yeah. thing about this hardcore wrestling like I said it's changed mm-hmm. a lot you know people complain about Cactus Jack with hardcore wrestling you know with C4 and Terry Funk but even that is 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 different now because they have to up their game and when you include light tubes and glass yeah. It's I not. Mean, it, it, it just creates like that devastating effect as well. Like those tubes, like when you smash them, you can still kind of see the small little bits of white everywhere, like just in the ring. And you just got to think to yourself, like, um, that's all over the ring mat as well. And these men are putting their bodies all the way through that. I, it, it was crazy. Um, the way that Jericho did the, it was like the hurricane off the top rope yeah. as well with Nick Gage into the glass, like all of that. Then it was just all taking its like toll on both of their bodies and I, I just had a lot of respect for Jericho for being able to actually go through with it well post-match uh, MJF gets up from the competition and complains he starts cutting a promo using some verbiage from the pipe bomb you know as you sit there and he says he doesn't even going to wrestle him especially known late, uh, late number three Jericho has to hit a move off the top rope to win his opponent is somebody that came up with the previous feuds Juventud Guerrero yes the juice is loose uh, what a show that was for Dynamite, to be fair. 
Um, absolutely amazing stuff. And rating-wise, it averaged 1.1 million viewers as well. Um, that's slightly down from the previous week, but it's still the fourth highest viewership the show has drawn since premiering in October 2019. Uh, the show's great. The ratings are great. Things are going brilliant for AEW at that moment in time. It definitely. I mean, you know, that is, again, what we've been saying throughout a lot of this podcast is that it, it really was great storytelling. To go back to a clip, from all the way in 2019, where you know it, it you know that Jericho is just like you know talking smack. It's not like that. Uh, he really was like calling out the uh, Guerrero uh, Guerrera back in that uh, back at that time, but just kind of proving a point to MJF, telling him to Google it and look it up, and then MJF over a year later bringing that feud back. It, it was just excellent storytelling. Hats off to him. Right, now we move on to August 4th edition of Dynamite. Show opens with commentary hype in the show. And then Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero, the third labour of Jericho match. And the former AEW World Champion delivered a backbreaker. But referee all the evidence refused to count. Reminded Babyface that he has to win by coming off the top rope. He counted the top rope hard can runner by Hoovy. Big Guerrero fought out and hit the Hoovy driver one minute later for a near fall. Jericho recovered and delivered the Jesus effect from the top rope and scored the win after the match, Wardlow attacked Jericho and F10 Hoovy. Then MJF announced next week's label will be a match against a big man with himself as a special guest referee. Uh, what were your thoughts on this opening? So uh, I was really looking forward to, to this match, especially as like we just mentioned, that uh, the way that the previous one had ended. It, it just seemed very exciting to kind of get both of these two back in the ring. I know that there was like a... Um, a lot of like up and down comments uh, about uh, his wrestling and stuff. But you know what? I just thoroughly enjoyed it. He's not been wrestling and yet he's been, uh, he's a retired wrestler. And I think he looked, he did really well and looked good in the ring. Um, I, I enjoyed this match, but I also really enjoyed the way that Jericho ended it with like a backhanded off the top rope Judas effect. I thought it was really, really clever. It's finished and the fans made this. And after all the labors, it's, <laughs> only Wardlow but I'll, I'll see what they're doing um like I said this match was good 20 years ago yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I, 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 I'm not gonna go and say it was the best match um out there or but again I, I think it was just nice for a bit of nostalgia um it didn't go too long either and that was probably for the best we'll get Lucha Brothers interview backstage Alex Abrahantis says Pac should have been here but could Conveniently, all his travel got cancelled. And who would do that? And again, Andrade Eldelo and Java Guerrero roll up to wonder what their thank yous for the limousine last week's are. Then we came out to work for Andrade to get the treatment every week. The brothers return. They don't work for anybody. Walk off while Chava tells Andrade that they'll come around. Back from commercial, Tony funny interviews with Dark Order. Hangman Adam Page rolls up and everybody asks where he's been. And Page is upset that he lost them their tag shot. They support him, but he says he needs to handle his own business for a little and go their own separate ways. They again reassure him that they're friends and Adam reiterates his desire to go it alone and leave Uno. Either Uno says they need to give him his space. I'm going to miss Paige in the Dark Order, but absence makes the heart grow fonder, I suppose. That is very true. And I also think that this is the best way that they can continue having that friendship with Hangman Page. You, you got to think he's, again, we were talking about that's earlier like him having ups and downs and things like that um so i think that you know that there, there is a little bit of like tough loving that needs to happen um for him to pick himself back up because he, he does this a lot to himself where he beats himself up for the losses um and isolates himself 
so he kind of needs to go through his own thing. And if they're continuously pestering him, it's just going to push him away even more. So Evil Uno was smart to be like, no, let him go. But I think that's what makes Paige so relatable. You know, when you've yeah. just said that with the losses and the stuff that affects him, it's it's real life. It's not like he comes right. out a week later and spills some old shit and just carries on. You know, it actually has an effect exactly. long term. You know, I feel like people that a lot of people can even like relate to like feeling like, you know, uh, the losses of ups and downs and how to and how to handle it and how they deal with it. And like you said, uh, he's very relatable because he handles it it well and actually kind of shows that to the crowd how how he's handling it well we get an inset promo for 2.0 and daniel garcia they talk about how underutilized they are and call their opponents out and we get 2.0 jeff parker and matt lee and red death daniel garcia versus darby allen eddie kingston and john moxley um the action broke down coming out of the break with Moxley running over Garcia at ringside. Allen wiping out Lee. That was funny. Uh, a tag to yeah. Moxley sparked to come back that culminated with Allen executed the coffin drop to Garcia for the pinball victory. Afterwards, the beloved threesome stood tall alongside Sting. Again, a really cool moment. Two of AEW's biggest stars. Uh, and never rise. One of my guilty pleasures on NXT. I wish them all the best in this match. Again, I was about to agree with you. I'm. I was really excited to see that they actually um, were showing up in AEW. I think they were extremely underused in NXT, and I just um, was a little bit sad to hear that they had ended up uh, leave, uh, leaving NXT. Um, Darby Allen, <laughs> Eddie Kingston, and John Moxley was the tag team I never knew I needed, but. <laughs> as soon- as soon as I saw all three of them, the amount of star power that was in that ring, I was a little starstruck myself. <laughs> it's it's just good to see, you know, you're thinking, right, yeah. it's SAW kind of doing it right. Um, we've seen a video package recap of Brian Cage food with Team Tazhead. And back for commercial, we've seen the Elite hanging out backstage and watching Carl Anderson spin the basketball. Doc Gallows is wearing a Ric Flair robe for whatever that's worth. And Doc says they'll give Dark Order an Impact World Championship shot. But they'll lose. Young Bucks talk about the lack of tag team challenges. They're going to get buried with the belts. Brendan Cutler tries to speak and gets shut up. And Kenny Omega talks to Hangman Page. He says, Page blew it at the buzzer. And now he's all alone and at the main event. And all that's left is to cut down the net. Um, for me, though, um, is the elite bordering on face a bit too much? Or like you said, is that assholishness coming across? Oh, um, I still think it's asshole assholes like vibes um they just kind of have this narcissistic ego that they're all carrying um about them and i feel like it's very much like don Callis has rubbed off of each of them individually with this sort of narcissism um it they're, they're fun to see um but yeah i do know what you mean like they've got because they've got such a humorous side to them as well um it, it is borderline like face funny do you see what i mean yeah uh, yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah it, it, it is a difficult one but i just still see the young bucks the, the way that the young bucks dress is like assholes <laughs> that's how i see it and then like you said as well doc gallows have uh, ripped their robe on for god knows what reason i think he might have just you know quickly ran to like the wwe locker room stole it and decided <laughs> Haha, i'm gonna show it show it off here and then like, i mean we also have to out the elephant in the room of Penny Omega wearing the Cookie Monster t-shirt. Well, Is that not another little nod? Or am I reading too much into that? <laughs> go on, go on. Like, because, just because of, like, Kenny Omega wearing the Cookie Monster t-shirt, is that one that, like, CM Punk always used to wear in um, 
in in WWE, and they called him the co- Cookie Monster. <laughs> well, that is, I don't think that is maybe looking too much into it, but I was maybe, thinking... but it's the exact same T-shirt, okay? It's the exact same T-shirt that yeah, but... he was wearing. So myself, oh, this is weird. Then. So, so something myself, Kenny Omega, and CM Punk have got in common is that we all own that Cookie Monster T-shirt. I, I never thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I might be reading a bit too much into it. However, though, Twitter seems to agree with me because that's where I saw I saw this as well. There was a lot of people on Twitter sharing the picture of CM Punk with the Cookie Monster T-shirt. Maybe I'm so debuting on AEW Rampage and I don't know it. <laughs> Maybe what do you mean? At least you're pop for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're you're pop. Everybody else will be like, oh fucking hell. You're like, yes, James. Yeah, I'll be your your number one fan, James. Don't worry, you'll you'll always have a fan. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Well, moving on. Christian Cage versus Pepper the Blade Parks next. Cage brawling with him on the ramp uh, before the bell bill him into the ring. Uh, Legit Layla Hirsch attacked the bunny, removing her from the equation. Blade managed to seize control of the match, though, but the Wiley Cage fought back. He was a late surge, but the Blade delivered a spear and pick up the win, remaining undefeated in AEW's singles action. Yeah, about his business. Uh, and I put here, will it be Cage versus Omega at All Out? We'll find out later on. And we get proud and powerful in FTR. Julian Promo spilled off a match with the base of the cash winner, getting his old, uh, whole forearm sliced up last week so that makes sense one of the things I like about AEW is that yes that happened in a match and then they can use it and build it towards something else now exactly yeah they do they do kind of like um make sure to con- uh like carry on the continuation of what what it was that actually took place last week it's not a lot like some of the WWE content where something happened last week and then it's it's completely forgotten about and we're just meant to forget it ever happened the week later I think without a doubt, it makes sense. Uh, we see Tony Schiavone interviewing Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Before she can really get going, Red Velvet comes to the ring, mic in hand. And Baker reminds her how she beat her in three minutes. And Velvet fires back. That things have changed. She's 22 and four with seven straight wins. And she didn't have to cheat to win them. And Britt says, that's impressive, but also a different wrestler she was. Now she's champion, but she'll give Red Velvet the match. If Tony Khan improved on the debut episode of Rampage. And uh, Red kicks the mic out of her hand and ducks a crutch shot from Rebel. But Baker takes her out and stomps her face in the mat. Grinder crutch in her head to add insult to injury. Brett holds a title high. That's a great way to build a challenger, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 think th- I think the problem here is that Red Velvet is very much like um, a, a popular uh, character that everyone wants to see. However, I don't think anyone is hating on Britt Baker, even though she's a heel right now. And I think this is where it, it, it kind of reminds me of the whole when Becky Lynch tried to go heel and everyone still loved her for it. And they were like, okay, fuck it, screw that, screw that idea. Let's just turn her back face because of this not really working. Um, and I'm not saying that Britt Baker isn't a good heel. She is a good heel, but everyone loves her right now. She is, her and Cheetah are probably two of the most over wrestlers. And... I don't think that um, even if Britt Baker does heelish things right now, she's going to get booed for it. So I think that there's just like a, a bit of lack of, oh, who who would a- we want to actually win this? Because we all love Britt Baker right now, but Red Velvet is such a strong contender for that. I would have to uh, completely agree with that. Uh, we see Andre Odello stage. Chavago Jr. rolls up all excited because he found someone who will work for Andrade, Fergal Del Sol. 
Uh, Chavo tells him that he has to shine Andrade's shoes, but he doesn't comply fast enough, so Adelo throws him in the garage door a few times. Guerrero tells him he starts to shine Andrade's shoes and calls Lucha Brothers out, saying they'll never win the titles without El Idolo's help. Uh, I take it back. I said maybe Chavo is not the best on the mic and it might not work. I think it will work now between the two because uh, they're kind of bonding, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, um, because so far, since Chavo's sort of entered uh, this, this faction with Andrade, we hadn't seen much from them. So it, I think it was hard to see whether or not it was going to work. But I think this week we could see a lot more of what what is kind of coming into fruition, uh, say to speak, when it comes to those two. And I think especially because Andrade is still working on on his English and and things like that, Chavo is proving that he is the better mouthpiece at this moment in time. Um, Yeah. I just, just, oh God, please just, please just uh, give, give Fuego del Sol a break. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm really feeling for him now. I actually think he's a, he's a, he's a good wrestler and he's always trying in the ring. And just to see see that little bit of bullying there, it was very sad. So I'm very team Fuego. Well, back for commercial. Tony Schiavone starts to interview Hangman and Page, but the elite interrupt to make their entrance. Page is glad the young bucks here because there's something he needs to say to them for a while. Kenny Omega says he can see what Hangman is trying to do, make a plea to rejoin the elite, but Page says that's the last thing he'll do. Omega gives his recent failures. He shares a lot in common with a lot of these people. He's a tryhard just like them. They spent a lot of time thinking about forgiving Hangman for his sins, but given what the elite are today, he kind of doesn't fit the bill. Cowboy or not, the elite doesn't have any losers, failures or second fiddles. Page hauls off and slaps him in the elite attack. Magic killer, but Dark Order go to make the save. But Uvo Uno Stu Grayson hold their teammates back because Page wants to stand alone. And the Bucks hammer with the BTE triggers. But here come Frankie Zero to even the odds. Kenny gives Page one last look at the thing he'll never have and clocks him in the head with the AEW World Championship. What were your thoughts on this? So again, I, I feel like a broken record, but great storytelling. I love that, you know, um, we had it that Hangman said he needs to do things by himself. I love that you had the Dark Order, who are so passionate um, about their friends, um, coming out wanting to help them. But I loved that Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are trying to give um, Hangman Page exactly what he wants. It's just great storytelling altogether. Frankie Kazarian is one of those really underrated superstars that really should get paid a little bit more attention. I absolutely love the fact that out of nowhere he just keeps on turning up and just even though he continuously gets beat down on from the elite, he just continues to come back. It's just it's great. I, I really like Frankie Kazarian. I'm really hoping that he will end up like getting that win over the elite at some point. <laughs> Well, yeah, rather than like, kind of jobbing out to Gallows as he did a couple of weeks ago, which is a bit of a shame because, like I said, the gimmick does work. He just kind of maybe needs a few victories behind it. And I think the pace yeah. of the show, I've said this before with Dynamite, um, the talk segments in between matches, I think very simple. Rather than have a match, match, and then talking segment, talking segment, split it up a little bit and then it feels a little bit different as well. But maybe that's the way they're kind of going about it. I thought this felt very NWO. Uh, as well, you know, but proves Page yeah. will be the man uh, down the road. Um, and then we get video, we get video package of Lance Archer laying Dan Lambert out, and Dan says he's going to be back to tell more of the truth. He's going to bring back up. Well, it's going to be good. Uh, Lee Johnson versus 
is Miro for the AWT and T Championship. The best man overwhelmed the challenger early and often dominated the match through the commercial break, but the resilient young babyface fought back. Johnson's comeback included a dive over the top rope, a cross body, and a super kick that momentarily rocked the champion. But Miro recovered and helped me apply the um, accolade or the game over for the submission victory. Uh, my thoughts on this Miro is the perfect monster. I don't know what you think. Agree. I completely agree with you. And I, I could have said that as well. Like, you know, even previous to this match, Miro's match with Lance Archer is like watching two titans face off against one another really um they've been booking Miro so well like making him look like the ultimate beast like you know really kind of making you think like who is actually going to like finally uh, get one over on him you know and I have to give so much credit to Lee Johnson that was a really great match not just showcasing how much of a beast Miro was but showing um you know sort of the resilience of Lee Johnson like he he continuously kept getting back kept getting back up, trying his hardest. Um, it wasn't a, a good win for him, but he came across looking so great. And and I hope like maybe picking up one or two more fans on his side. But and the thing I loved about it as well was part of the story was how long it took Miro to be knocked off his feet, you know. Well just was want a big yeah. shot. It was kinda of, and when it happened, the fans were more invested into it because of how long it took to kind of set it up. Really good stuff. Can't wait to see what happens next. Um the commentary yeah. announced the rampage announced as Taz, Excalibur, Chris Jericho and Mark Henry as we go to a break. Um, we'll be, talk more about the Rampage commentary team a little bit later. And when we see Christian Cage in interview, he's announced as Kenny Omega's number one contender and asked if he's going to repay Layla Hirsch's favour early. He said he offered, but uh, she has some best friends to have her back. He talks about how excited he is to get a title shot. He says he's better than good. He's elite. And then uh, Bunny versus Layla Hirsch for the NWA Women's World Championship number contender. Stanchis Hirsch mounted a comeback and played a devastating arm bar for the match can feel Camille Cavanter in the centre of the ring. Um, the size difference between Layla Hirsch and Camille is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's a David versus Goliath story. Uh, what were your thoughts on your match? <laughs> what were your thoughts on your match and what happened? I mean, I I, I enjoyed the match. It, it's not you know one that was like over the top amazing but I enjoyed it for kind of the what it is which was like really showcasing what Layla Hush can do and just also again goes to prove that size really doesn't matter when you've got the strength there um I'm really excited to be like to watch this match between those two women I think it actually is going to be a, a great piece of storytelling in the ring as well seeing um whether or not uh, David can overcome the Goliath <laughs> Um, I'm really looking forward to Rampage as well, just because um, I'm a bit watching Dynamite and having that one women's match just before the main event segment. I kind of want more, you know, and I'm hoping Rampage will at least have one, you know, maybe even two women's matches on a weekly basis as well. But not a bad match for the time given after the match. Uh, Smart, Mark Sterling, Jay Cargill checked in. Sterling revealed his client will turn to action Monday in AEW Dark Elevation. Comedy Steam Hype Up next week's show. Main event time. It's going to be huge. It's Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. And Malachi Black menacingly made his way to the ring for the night's main event, a battle of light and darkness against uh, Cody Rhodes. And, of course, the animated Hill sport with Black, while the American Nightmare were white. It's commentator's tout with the big match feel of the contest. Um, I always love his NXT entrance, but this was pretty dope. Um, Honestly, and, uh, I have uh, to agree that. The, the black silhouette at the beginning, just seeing all those like horns, it was great. And this is the thing, and has there been, a, and I've spoken about this before, the light versus dark, not since Shawn Michaels and Yante has this been used so effectively either. Yeah, 
agreed. And Malachi Black has just got so much going for him. The way that he entered um, and even, you know, came into AEW is it just gave it the whole aesthetic behind it. So seeing this entrance, uh, I was I just really was mesmerized by it. I, I absolutely love this and I cannot wait to just continue to see him grow. Well, without a doubt. Well, Black kicked the left knee of his opponent, gouged his eyes and applied a half crab early on as Rhodes creates separation and scaled the ropes. Black rocked him with a kick that knocked him from the turnbuckle and threw a table at ringside as Rhodes limped back, obliterated him with a black mass, placing one foot on the chest of his opponent with JR screaming, that's not going to work. And the Hill scored the decisive and most uncontested victory. And JR going, I guess it did. And after the match, Rose cut, <laughs> Rose cut a promo that hinted at retirement, even including a reference to the infighting among the AEW EVPs. Before he could remove his boot and leave them in the ring, Black returned and blasted him with a crutch to end the show. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? I thought this was brilliant. Uh, this was by far my favourite match of the night. It was amazing. Um, I think the storytelling made me panic because when Cody started giving that speech, I was like, there ain't no way you're retiring no no not having this so I was very pleased that Malachi Black put an end to it I was like no you're not um and hit him uh but I do know that he is going off a little bit because he's like supposed to be filming like a show or something um plus Brandy also did just give breath so you can imagine he might want some time off but I I thought it was really great with the sort of like storytelling of like is he retiring is he not Malachi Black just looked incredible that that kick off the top of the turnbuckle, um, I wasn't actually expecting him to like <laughs> go through the table. So it was one of those matches that was thoroughly enjoyable because you just didn't know what was coming next. Um, it was such an arrogant way to pin him as well. I could just see this being like really good sort of uh, storytelling in the future for like uh, an epic comeback from Cody to get his, finally get his revenge one day. Um, definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing more of. Yeah, I mean, not since Brody Lee has Cody put someone over to this extent. Alistair Black, oh, yeah. or sorry, Malachi Black is now a star in AEW. Uh, Cody's no longer the number one face, though. And I don't know if it's due to his opponent or just because the momentum for Adam Page. But uh, Cody, maybe, like I said, go away and come back. Uh, mm. We'll be fine. Uh, Black Mass is one of my favourite finishes. I'm annoyed that, um, you know, like you talk about fantasy book and whatever else it is. I've always mm. wanted Alistair Black to win the money in the bank, right? You win the money in the bank, and then he'll go and face the champion just in the middle of the ring. He'll pop the briefcase down in the centre. Referee calls for the bell. Black Mass pins the champion, uh, walks out with a title belt. That's how dangerous uh, that finisher is. Do you know what I mean? It's so devastating, and he is so good at executing it so well. I hardly ever do, do you ever see him like even mess. So it just comes across devastating on, on multiple levels. I think that we could still see that type of thing happen, but with the, you know, um, they do the casino queen, right? Yeah. The chip or something. I could see that happening for sure, but it won't, yeah, it wouldn't be like an immediate cash in because of like you give it the challenger time, obviously. But that would have been such an amazing feeling just to kind of see see him have the money in the bank in WWE and just, just perform a devastating black mass. I think they missed out truthfully on that. They really have dropped the ball, especially after the handling of him in AEW. I mean, it's a Dakota episode, but the main event 
was something else. And the last episode of Dynamite is August 11th, and JR bumbling again on commentary. And the show opens with a memorable graphic for the late great Bobby Eaton. Uh, he will be missed. And when we get a promo for MJF and Wardlow, he calls Jericho out and says he can't beat him. He's gone through more than he can bear. Trying against Max, and it's to the point where he feels bad. He's even better to get stopped at arm's length for the finish by the fastest, most volatile big man in the business has ever seen. Uh, but let's say, by the grace of Greek gods, Jericho vanquishes tightly, gets the match against MGF. He goes for all that just to find out he's still better than him. Wardo said he's almost definitely going to beat him. And Max points out he failed to beat Cody Rose in a cage. And Mr. Mayhem crushed an apple in his bare hands in frustration. Is that the first time we've seen a little bit of um, problems between MGF and Wardlow, maybe? I mean, like, I, I swear they kind of hinted at it before, like, before um, but then never really played on it. But I do, I do think that this is the the potential beginning of the end for Wardlow and MJF. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see this um, and and see how well they uh, how well it plays out because. I think it could be such good storytelling if they do it right and it's not rushed, you know? Like, I don't want to see next week that, you know, that it turns up and all of a sudden they're not friends. Like, yeah. I want this to kind of slowly but surely push Wardlow to to the point of, like, just going absolute carnage on him. All right, right. Uh, well, we open in matches Dante Martin, Matt Seidel, Mike Seidel versus the Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson. We get Matt on Matt violence to start. Another hot tag this time to Martin. Pop the crowd, which is heavily behind a 20-year-old. After a few stunning near falls, the target repeated V-triggers and a one-winged angel to add insult to injury. The Bucks joined their partner for BTE V-trigger for the win. After the match, Don, Coll- Don Callis joined the Elite for an in-ring promo, but Christian Cage interrupted. Jurassic Express joined him. The trio headed to the ring as the show went to a break. Following a timeout, a back-and-forth promo included with Revolution that Christian will challenge Kenny Omega for the Impact World title Friday on Rampage. And Jurassic Express will battle the Young Bucks for the tag titles next week. Uh, but going back to the match, and I can't remember the last time a wrestler made the crowd go, ooh, ah, like that. And Dante Martin showed out, didn't he? Oh, my gosh. This kid is going to be big one day. I cannot believe how much he even had me kind of like, oh, my gosh. You know, I was watching this and just he's got such talent. He was he he reminded me slightly of Ray Fenix, the way that he's so effortless. He he can just gracefully and effortlessly just be on the top rope and feel so comfortable. Um, he had some real great spots, and I feel like um, you know, the the elite really did like you know think backstage. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put this guy over. Just just go out and do you. And he went out and he did him. It was a great performance, and I think he's got such tremendous um, talent. I can't wait to see him grow more in this company. Oh, yeah. Take a bow, son. It was It's fantastic what he did. It was a great opener. Uh, we had huge CM Punk um, when Don Callis was talking to Christian, but Christian pulled it back. Great control. Sometimes you need to use either a, a dirty word or, or something like this to kind of get the attention. It showed right there. And the crowd singing to the Baltimore and Kenny briefly stops the music check and make sure they're singing. They're not singing. No. That was so <laughs> That was actually hilarious. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was. It was credit to that and then Malachi Black gets a vignette where he talks about the doubt we all had in him and now eventually realise you're arguing with a god 
Uh, we go to a break with Hype Real for the Rose Family reality show, which, of course, Cody's taking time out for. Back from commercial, we get a Miro match where it talks about how Fiego de Sol is being offered a contract if you can win against him on Rampage. We see Danny Garcia getting inset promo where he said he could have beaten Darby Allen by himself. He's going to finish his job and then 2.0 calls Sting out and tell him to watch his ass because pro wrestling is great in 2021. Daniel Garcia versus Darby Allen. Of course, Garcia benefit from the outside influence of 2.0. And in attempt to make a comeback, Billy and Parker again made their presence felt. The former TNT champion fought back low and delivered a float over Stunner and added the coffin drop for the win. And what do you think of this? Because for me, this was a little bit dull, but I don't know if I'm wrong. Well, I, what I would say is I, I think that the I think that the match uh, could have been better, but I did like that seeing um, the continuity that uh, you know after the the, the six man tag that they're still kind of talking smack about Darby and Sting. Um, so I did like the continuation of it, um, but yeah, I, I must admit it was. It, it, it it wasn't like an a, a, an amazing match. Well, it's the commentators are going, oh look at this young guy, look at what he's doing. I was like, it's an armbar, guys, chill out. Like, yeah, I know he's like twenty two or whatever, but like, it's not like Dante Martin, is it? You know, like, yeah. It's a, it's a... I I didn't think that there was like moves that he was pulling that 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 make you think, oh my gosh, you know, like it it was it was an okay match. Um, and yeah i mean darby allen got the win that was the kind of like main thing for it uh so i think it didn't it did what it needed to do but it i don't think that they'll benefit from con- from continuously facing them each week do you know what i mean yeah but well i think the main thing is like i said post-match 2.0 attack darby but sting fights them off and he gets into it spearing a strike and the stinger hits a suplex on a ramp jeff parker begs off the arc and draws up the punches if we can i mean just imagine ever rising nxt a month ago uh thinking exactly. you know what i mean jobbing out not even being featured on a show and yeah, now, and now they're, <laughs> they're in the ring facing the likes of darby allen and sting i mean if there's anyone winning is them yeah, fair play to them. Well, backstage, Death Triangle are hanging out. Ray Phoenix asks if Pac has been seeing what Andrade Iwadello has been stirring up and says they need to do something about it. Penta LLM says a bunch of stuff. And the bastard cuts Alex Abahantis off from translating and asks Lucha Brothers to let him focus on Andrade while they go after the gold. They deserve Pac said he doesn't know Andrade or like him. He doesn't know why he's obsessed with Death Triangle, but that stops now. And if he has a problem, what's he saying? Well, anywhere, anytime, come and have a go. If you think you're hard enough, he's easy to find um don't get me wrong i love pack i love andrade but it's just too close to the eddie kingston storyline when he was trying to split him up what was it eight months ago now um i see what you mean but i feel like right now uh is a little bit different just because of the fact that they're trying to recruit them rather than eddie kingston was already in there trying to uh in with them but trying to just kind of draw a wedge um i do i i do like the fact that they're kind of fighting this though because I think it's very on the nose of having Andrade join AEW and then him instantly team up with Ray Fenix and Penta and I really love Death Triangle um all three of them together I think just work really well um so I do like this especially because um just Pac is getting more screen time um you know I think he especially because of uh, the pandemic and everything like that uh he wasn't uh, a big feature before um, on AEW. So I am liking the fact that we're seeing them back together now. I just um, don't need continuous promos. Just give us some some matches now with them in. Like, give us Pat versus Andrade. 
give us um, the Lucha Brothers versus even the Young Bucks and put those titles on those damn boys that they deserve the belts. You oh, know, we're, we're um, out, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm a fan of them all, but I don't think that there needs to be, like, a massive ongoing feud between Andrade and the Lucha Brothers and Pat. No, like you said, let's have let's have Andrade wrestle now. That's what he's good at. Yeah. That's what we want to yeah. see. And like We've you said, we're Lucha Brothers well. like to see him back again. <laughs> yeah. Well, next match, best friends, Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy and Wheeler, Utah versus Hardy Family Office, Zai Cassidy, Mark Quinn and Matt Hardy at ringside, Nyla Rose wiped out Chris Statlander, who would meet later on a show, private party laid out Utah with Virginia and Juice, but Cassidy broke up the pin, the action broke down, and Hardy delivered a twist of fate to Utah for the pinfall victory. Uh, Matt Hardy, I just don't know, even the crowd seems a little bit quieter for him now. It wasn't a bad match, but it, it's insane chaos for think- Matt Hardy at this point. Uh, do you know what? I think that uh, Matt wrestling as well as Matt being like sort of like the manager of this whole Hardy Foundation just isn't working out. I think it needs to be one or the other. Um, I think that he gets a, a, a pop from the crowd being the heel that he is. Um, but I don't necessarily think that like it's always like a, a, a good pop. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like things need to like change up. Um, I'm not sure whether or not this whole money-grabbing Matt character is working out as much as other previous uh, characters that he's played. Mm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. There's just something a little bit off at the moment. I don't know what it is. I don't know. uh, I I don't want to say this as a bad thing because I'm not trying to ban Matt the wrestlers, but I I feel like the Hardy Foundation seems a bit messy. I don't don't really know who's who's fully a part of the foundation that you've got Angelico and um his partner I've forgotten his name right now off the top of my head um like there are sometimes they're part of it there's sometimes not like I, I feel like that there's part-timers in that foundation like I really don't know who is like the whole ultimate faction so I don't know I think it might be just a little bit sloppy well maybe it's time to delete delete <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so, I'm so it... glad you added that pun in there <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Well, backstage, Andrade Odello and Chava Guerrero interviewed. They called Pac ungrateful, pointing out all the gifts they're giving him and should be careful what he wishes for. Chava suggests Andrade teach Pac who the bosses are all out. And we go to a break. Uh, Pac, Andrade all out. What a fucking yep. match that will be. Give it to me. Give it to me. I was very excited when they announced that. Uh, back from commercial, we get another video package building FTR. Ortiz and Santana, and then Chris Statlander versus Nyla Rose. And of course, Statlander still smarting following a sneak attack moments earlier, made her way to the ring for a match. And Native Beast dominated earlier and often low cutting off an impressive walking handstand. However, Statlander answered with a powerbomb out in the corner, then landed a 450 splash for the pin full victory. Uh, fine match. I mean, Statlander on the rise may be considered a shock victory here. I would say I, I actually enjoyed this match, and I'll, I'll say it is thoroughly because. I genuinely thought Nyla Rose was winning this. She was very dominant throughout the match, and it was like a surprise win um, that I didn't see coming. Uh, and I think um, Chris Statlander's 450 splash is just brilliant. She looks so good when she's doing it. So I really enjoyed this match, and I think if if those two women had a bit more time, they probably could like go even harder. So who knows? Maybe we'll see like an eventual feud between these two take place or something, um, and it will be just absolute magic. Uh, well, backstage, Joe Bucks cut a promo mocking Hangman Adam Page. We talk about how they dominated the entire tag division and proved that they're the best of all time. It's going to be easy as they'll out beat in Jurassic, Park, uh, Jurassic Express next week. He goes to shoot the basketball to prove the point. 
Jurassic Express run in and dunk on them to send us to a break. Back promotion, we get hype real for Baker versus Velvet. Tony Funny interviews a good doctor in the ring. Britt says she can't really comment on Red Velvet Rise because it wouldn't be fair. She can't relate because she didn't have to rise and she's always been the top of division and the baddest bitch on the block. But she can relate to Velvet's fearlessness. She wasn't for the city needed a champion. She bleeds black and gold as much as anybody here. But this has been a difficult year. So she presents Pittsburgh Hope in the form of the women's title. Speaking of Hope, Red might have had a glimmer of it wrestling in any other city, but not in Britsburg. After it, Red Velvet attacks, referees managed to separate them, but only barely. I mean... What an ovation. We talked about Thunder Rose's ovation earlier, but Britt mm-hmm. is, I mean, this is the closest to CM Punk in Chicago that we're going to get, aren't we? Really? Definitely. Like, Definitely. I mean, you just got, this is, this goes back to what I was saying about how, even if we, even if we know she's the biggest heel, everyone loves her. She's, it's been so good watching like her rise. When you first uh, see Britt enter within the women's division of AEW. She she was a, a face at first. Um, and I, I don't think she quite found her footing. Um, but the character that she's got now, she's just, she oozes confidence. And you could just see how much the crowd love her. It was just an, an amazing pop for sure. Without a doubt, we see a video package for Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage. And in Dark Order, Ivory Uno, Stu Grayson versus the Good Brothers for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. We get a hot start by the challengers. Was negated by the champions entering the break. Dark Order fought back alone. The Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows en route to a strong near fall on the former. The challenge set up for the fatality, but Gallows introduced a tag title belt. By the distraction that allowed him and Anderson to deliver the magic killer for the successful title defence. Um, I know you thought, I thought this was a good match, but it's a bit weird that, oh, Dark Order will never get their title shot again and then get an impact title shot. I know it's different companies, but what were your thoughts on this? Um, I, I did get confused myself when they first like said that they were going to give them a title shot. I know it's a different, um, different company's titles. However, I don't, I, I'm not sure. I think that, I think that they could have just done it as a normal tag team match. I don't think it needed to be specifically for the impact titles. However, I know that they're doing a lot of promoting for impact as well. So I think this was more just sort of, um, a way to maybe appease like impact and, and get like you know another impact title uh on on AEW show well yeah i hope so because i've been watching the kind of relationship between impact and AEW, and i've known that dynamite really haven't been promoting it but especially with this week you know with rampage coming up and of course dynamite it's kind of hitting home like this is a relationship with impact it's just a shame that they haven't found space for diana Prazzo yet because i know thunder rose and brick yeah. baker are amazing but throw her into it, and then we're looking at a triple threat to remember for all time, you know? Do you know, uh, do you know what? I did actually wonder whether or not we are going to actually get some some form of promotion from her soon. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up because of I do agree that I think that, you know, they, the women's division would probably even thrive a lot more if you have like, the likes of Diana Peraza coming in and going up against even, you know, not even just Britt Baker, but some of the other women within the division. Um, I think it would be great. Well, like I said, the forbidden door is open for women as much as it is for men and tag teams as well. Um, Tony Schiavone views QT Marshall or Marshall and Aaron Solo in the ring. QT claims that Tony should be apologised to him. He doesn't have time to wait, so Marshall will apologise to him. Not for pouring a protein shake on his head due to his son, Chris Schiavone, right now. Oh, they pull him out of the crowd and beat him up until Tony apologises. QT doesn't accept and hits a diamond cutter, but Paul White is here. 
Marshall throws Solo at him and Paul uh, chokeslams him as he looks at QT Marshall. Uh, so we wondered when the, I said the former big show, uh, would be in the ring. What you make of this? Because it didn't fill my heart with um, happiness. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I did not see that coming with them bringing out, uh, bringing Tony's son into it. So, I mean, I at this point, I was like, somebody better come out and beat the holy hell out of them because that's just that's just sad. No, that was really sad to see. I love Tony, and yeah, I didn't want his son getting like beat, beaten up. So I was glad, but he took so long to get down to the ring. Do you not think? <laughs> yeah. Like they, like I just kept on thinking. Well, you guys asked for this because you have plenty of time to run off. You have plenty of time to run into the crowd and get gone. So I just think QT and and that were stupid. They have he took so long coming to the ring. Well, <laughs> they the have thing, plenty of time to run. The thing is, is that I I want this dream match now or this dream tag team of uh, we've got Chris Schiavone and of course Brock Anderson. You know, let's put all like, the sons. Is Chris Schiavone actually getting into wrestling? Really? I have no idea, but the amount of sons we're oh. seeing in Dynamite. Like, literally. Yeah, that's very true, though. <laughs> get together. Very true. Like, like, I'd actually really enjoy that, seeing just all the, all of the sons get together. Let's have them all. Then you've got, you also got um, Taz's son, yeah. Hook. Hook, Throw yeah. him in the mix. <laughs> yeah. can, can, we, can we please nickname them sons of anarchy please yeah. and then you just got dominant mysterio in wwe going what the fuck guys <laughs> Where am I? why am i here by myself for goodness sake um well back for commercial we get a recap of joey janela turning on sunny kiss on aw dark so i guess that's going to lead to a main of uh, main show here soon uh a quick, quick, you watch uh, Dark and Elevation, do you? Do you watch it every week yeah. or just when you can hang catch up with it? I um, I try to watch it every week. Once or twice, Um, I've not managed to watch it. But as of recently, over the past, I'd say, month, I've been, I have been watching it and keeping up to date with it. See, that is dedication there, boys and girls. So that is, that's what, <laughs> that's what you hardcore I mean, AEW fan. Can, can I just actually say it is very easy to do when they're normally an hour long and and they kind of start around 12-ish um and i'm a gamer so i can have it on in the background whilst i'm gaming <laughs> so well well the main event for our, the the last dynamite we're watching is chris jericho versus wardlow the fourth labor of jericho we see jericho deliver the code breaker early but wardlow escaped the pinfall proceed to establish dominant dominance uh, load of power but i mean a load of power bombs i don't know who's paying wardlow to hit power bombs but he's got paid for that f10 was unable to put jericho away as jericho made the comeback and applied the lion tamer mgf raked the eyes referee all rebels rejected the hill larica jericho to use floyd the baseball bat score the win with the judas effect a um, couple of thoughts on this uh wasn't mgf meant to be the referee and second off was... wardlow's hair oh my gosh yeah what about it do you know what I mean? At one point, is, are you thinking of that for your new? I, I, it, your looked, new uh, look? it looked like he had a couple of hamsters on his head trying to escape. Like at one point, it was down the side. You know, like the old Como. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. It kind of ended up looking like that. But I do agree. Um, I I thought that MJF was supposed to be roughing this. Um, 
so I was a little bit confused to see Ref Aubrey. That being said, I love Ref Aubrey. She doesn't take no shit from anyone. She's a brilliant ref. Um, and uh, yeah, I like how she calls it how it is. So I mean, if anything, it it put a little bit of um uh, reassurance that it wasn't going to be a straight easy win um coming from MJF's hands. So I mean, I suppose Chris Jericho was very relieved that he wasn't actually rapping. Yeah, well, we don't know if he's spoken to Tony Khan to get it changed, do we? Storyline. Um, where we see post match Sean Spear attacking Jericho and Sammy Guevara makes a save. They fight, Wardlow gets involved in terms of tide. MJF puts salt in the earth and Jericho's injured arm. He taps on over, but Jack Hager's here to make the save. Max gets on the mic and says Jericho might have won the match and had another shot in, but he hasn't heard his stipulation for next week. No Jesus effects and no Judas as his theme. Dead silence and no elbows. And if he does hit the Judas effects, that's an automatic victory. He's got a prediction for next week. Chris is going to find out. He just hasn't met his match, but his successor. There's a new king of town. His name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And why not ban the fucking Walls of Jericho as well? Uh, what, were you, what were your thoughts on that announcement? I mean, I kind of presumed it was going to be something along those lines where, like, it's ultimately in his favour. I, I am looking forward to seeing this. I feel like, uh, um, I feel like, you know, it, it, it kind of, does have that sort of labour vibe that Chris Jericho has been having all of these matches. So I'm I'm ready for the payoff. I'm ready to see MJF kind of get get a bit of comeuppance. But I also think that he's probably going to come out the winner. Well, yeah, I'm about to say. And do you think the labours of Jericho peaked with like the the gauge match? Like they couldn't really top it after. I mean, don't the Who V yeah. match was alright, but you, you yeah. can't really go elsewhere. Well, people were expecting fucking Superman to come out or something like that, but you, probably, you, you, you can't do it. I can agree. <laughs> no, I do agree. I think that uh, Nick Gage's match was probably the most exhilarating um, and they probably couldn't match that. However, I feel like because of how great MJF has been on mic and everything like that, it's not been, it's not taken too much away from that, from this whole storyline. Um, I'm hoping like, uh, you know, as much as I love Jericho, I'm hoping that like MJF comes out on top just so that he can continuously be that egotistical asshole that he is that will forever like never let Chris Jericho live it live it that down, like that he won over him. I think yeah, that, I think that would make the most sense for long term goal as well, because we don't know how long Jericho's gonna be around for, do we? You know, not just with Fozzie Tours, but I mean, the amount of times he mentions WWE as well, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Because uh, not maybe not the best Dynamite, but still better than most weekly episodic TV shows. And now we move on to the first Rampage, August 13th, and we are live. And the intro is just like the commercials. What are your thoughts on the intro video in the beginning of the show as well? And also, what are your thoughts on the four-man booth of Excalibur, Chris Jericho, Taz, and Mark Henry? Um, I absolutely loved the intro. I thought it was great. It just kind of did what it needed to do and set up the whole excitement um, for for this debut. I didn't I didn't necessarily think that we needed four men on commentary. I at times I found it very difficult to like hear what all of them were saying or um, at least hear know who was talking um, at times. So I I don't necessarily think it needs to be a four man team every week. Maybe because of it was the first um the first showing uh you know they did want to make it special but yeah i don't i'm not necessarily sold on it being constantly four men on commentary 
Now, I don't mind Mark Henry being the kind of roving reporter as well, but it means he's got a lot of uh, running to do in between the kind of matches <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Taz and Excalibur, of course, are pros. I think Jericho just needs to calm down. And, you know, like the... Just as much as I love Jericho, I don't really think he was needed on commentary. Yeah. I think, that, like you said, um, I think Taz and Excalibur work really well together. They and they work with uh, well with the other commentary team. Um, and I I thought that you know having Mark Henry sort of uh, as the as the main commentator for for the Friday night it makes it different, doesn't it? Because you've got like ele- Monday's elevation with Paul White, which is great. Then you've got like you've got your dark that is predominantly uh, Taz and um, Excalibur, and then you've got your dynamite where you do have Jr. Tony Schiavone um, and uh, Excalibur. They all work really well together as a team. I just think sometimes for a four-person one is just a bit overwhelming. You don't need that much. So as much as I love Derek, I don't really think that he's needed to be like a permanent member on the Friday night commentary team. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. But our first match in Rampage history, Impact World Championship, and it's Christian versus or Christian Cage. Sorry, oh God, I'm gonna get sued. Versus Kenny mm-hmm. Omega, and we see Captain Chris gave the upper hand first and talked the cleaner with a middle finger. The right Omega went after him with elbow shots to the back of the neck. Both men tried and failed to hit their finisher. Christian countered a suplex with a sunset fit power bomb when we returned for a commercial break. Orange Cassidy and Chris Statler to watch from the crowds as former world champion continued to dominate the current world champion. Omega nailed a V-trigger but only kept Christian down for a two-count. They went back and forth with signature moves and counts for quite some time. The Young Bucks and Don Callis tried to interfere but Christian turned the tables or chair and hit his finisher on top of the steel chair to get the win and take the Impact Championship from Kenny Omega. What did you think of this? I mean, what a match. I thoroughly enjoyed this. This was such a great opening match. Christian looked so good um, in this match as well as Kenny. He always does anyway. And like you said, when they're they're both like trying and failing to um, actually hit their final move, you you really did start to ask yourself, what are we going to see here? Are we going to see a title change? And it happened. And uh, do you know what? I'm really pleased for Christian. I thought it was a great match and he deserved that title. Yeah, what a match and what a moment. And it's two completely different styles. There's one who had only been brought up from WWE Developmental, who's kind of worked their way through it now. He's kind of gone their own way with um, Christian. Kenny Omega learning else and it shows that they both styles work and both meshed perfectly in between uh, the two as well and like I said the pop from the crowd when Christian and credit to Kenny Omega from putting his head into that chair there, there's no <laughs> way of selling that yeah and, and you know if it was just an unprint you'd go well how could he but with the chair involved the interference it just played it off beautifully an impact have got a champion yeah. now and like Impact now can, you know, even lose it all out to Kenny Omega, they can still, it still makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think this is also just great for Christian. Um, you know, he he did say he wanted to come back and he wanted to have that that run. Um, and, you know, WWE weren't going to give that to him. And so, I, uh, you know, I, I'm really pleased to see Christian now champion. Um, I think it just does wonders for Impact Wrestling as well. Um, having someone like him as a champion, um, so I'm really intrigued and interested to to see where where things go from here when he does face him at all out. 
Yeah, well, that, like I said, the, the history with Christian in Impact as well. And like I said, he can lose it all out to Kenny Omega. You still have the third match there. And even if yeah. Christian wants to drop it at Bound for Glory in October, you can still fit yeah. that kind of storyline. It just makes all the sense in the world. And Henry interviews Cage backstage for New Champions Company by Jurassic Express for a celebration where a little bit of the bubbly and the former mm-hmm. WWE stars have a nice moment together. Christian promises to take a but he knows how hard this one will be and that the AW World title will be even harder to win at All Out and this shows the shape of Christian he's just had a match with probably one of the, with the greatest wrestlers of his generation and then can still cut a great promo <laughs> you know? exactly I mean like, he, he he basically just kind of didn't even miss a, miss a beat in saying what everything because you know you could say that he was the underdog and he's already got one over on Kenny now so it does actually give you that feeling of could he? Yeah. could he keep the title? So it's it, interesting, exciting to see. It is without a shadow of a doubt. And then Fury Del Sol gets a quick video to type up the biggest match of his life. He can upset Miro for the TNT Championship. He'll be signed to an AEW contract. So Miro versus Fury Del Sol for the TNT title. Three consecutive today's DDTs. Couldn't keep the Redeemer down. Fury nearly won it with a count out, but Miro caught him flying for the top rope and dropped him on the mat. He sat with a big kick to the head before applying his signature submission for the win. I've said it before, so again, Miro is the perfect monster. And I feel sorry for Fuego in this one. But don't worry, because after the break, Tony Khan and Sammy Guerrero come out. Khan hands Guerrero a clipboard and Sammy heads to the ring to tell his best friend that he may not win, but the fans love him. So now he's all elite. Um, the genuine look of emotion on the Fuego's face uh, and the match itself. What, when, what are your thoughts on this? This was lovely. I'm not going to lie. It pulled on my heartstrings a little bit. Like I said, from from the week before with Fuego, I'm, I'm just starting to be a fan of his because he really is always trying his hardest and, and getting beat down. And he just took such a beating from Miro. Like you rightly said, Miro still coming across looking like a beast, as he should. Um, but I also was gutted because I was like, he deserves he deserves to be oily. He really does. Um, so I was really pleased to see after the break um, them make that actually happen. I think he earned that right. Yeah, without doubt. And Tony Khan, of course, um, first time we're seeing him. And I reckon he's going to be an on-air talent uh, in the end. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it, he's going to say to himself, oh, I'm going to be the Hill promoter. Uh, I just know it's going to happen at what, some you point. you think he's going to do a Vince? Well, I think he's good. Everybody does it. You know, he's going to do a Dixie Carter. Everybody in the end has Vince Russo. Everybody who's been involved. If he doesn't, I'll eat my hat. But I would guarantee within, you know, a couple of years, especially if like the ratings go down, he's like, I'll tell you what, let me, uh, let me be that hill kind of, you know, type. Um, I hope not. I I, I, I don't know how to how I'd feel about that at the moment, just because I'm not 100 percent sold on Tony Khan's good mic skills. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I think I'll have to I'm going to I'm going to reserve judgment on this one um, until as and when that actually happens, because I don't know how I would take it. It it depends on if it gets better. (laughs) I love you. Remember the date and when I told you, and when it happened, you'd be like that motherfucker. That you did, did say. And then, and then you'll be saying that too, because then you have to eat your hat. <laughs> uh, well, we get a commercial for next week's first dance episode in Chicago. It reminds us that Darby Allen kind of called out CM Punk. It has to happen. It surely it has to happen. Um, don't call me Shirley. And then we see Mark Hamill interview the main event from separate remote locations backstage. Red Velvet says she's going to ruin the AW Women's Champs night in her hometown. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, says that even with a broken freaking wrist, at the end of the night, she's going to be and still. 
leading up to Britt Baker versus Red Velvet. Again, another huge ovation uh, for the MD and the chance as well from the Britsburg audience. Velvet took control, began a sequence of counters and holds with the champions. Baker's injured arm prevented from applying the lockjaw at one point. The ref ejected Rebel from ringside right as Velvet drew Baker with a super kick. DMD kicked out of a moonsault versus suplex, but Velvet broke out the lockjaw again. Used a good arm to apply the hold and get the victory uh, after Velvet showed a little bit of a hillside trying to get it in herself. And Chris Statlander prevented Baker from stomping Velvet into the title belt. But Jamie Hayter returned to AW and helped Baker take them out. First off, what were your thoughts on the matchup? Because I thought Britt Baker probably at her best, you know? Yeah, really it was. Um, I, I've got to give props to Red Velvet as well because of like I thought that her and Red, uh, her and Britt Baker worked really well together. There were some good moments that came from Red Velvet. And, um, you know, she she did her best, especially because, you know, compared to Britt, she really was kind of the villain to the crowd um, in, in in this match. Um, I think she did really well. Um, I didn't I didn't see it changing hands, though. Definitely didn't see it changing hands. However, I'm not sure who this girl was or is. I don't know who this girl is that came in. Like there was a loud pop for her. Um I don't know who she is. Do you know no, who she this is this is AEW's slight problem. When you have kind of massive debuts and people expecting, so when someone gets attacked and they pop and they go, oh my god, it's going to be Ruby Riot or do you know what I mean, someone like yeah, that, yeah. and they go, what? And even Excalibur has to go like, no, it's Jamie Hayter. She was in AEW, but she's kind of completely changed her look now, and it's just a new muscle for Baker. But because it's in the main event of Rampage, people are thinking it's going to be the Iconics or something like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically just a new muscle for Britt Baker. Um, but I think, like you said, the fans were expecting something a little bit different. But then, obviously, after that kind of confusion, wait, wait. so is she? So, so is she, is she, was, was she wrestling before? Yeah, she was wrestling. She's from from England, and she was wrestling uh, about a year and a half before. Suffered a few injuries and kind of gone way uh, part of uh, AEW and changed her look now, and has come back as kind of like this. So we'll see kind of she might be there with okay. like cannon fodder for Chris Statlander, basically. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to reserve the whole judgment because like, I was really just confused by the end of it because I was like, who was this girl? Everyone's like popping for it, but I have no clue who she is. So I'm not like overly excited as I as I would normally be, you know, if I knew someone, especially because if I was hoping it was someone else. Yeah, well, this I think that is a problem. I think that's what got the original pop. And then when they started. It was like, oh, okay. But luckily, they kind of worked it out with Britt Baker beating them down and leaving to stand tall. Uh, And I don't think that takes away because I think Rampage was a fantastic show. What were your thoughts on this? Because the hour program just flew by, didn't it? It really did. Honestly, I was uh, left actually feeling really sad that it was ending. I I wanted more, you know, and you always want that from from a product. And especially like the the, for it to be the, the opening product, you you want to leave people wanting more. So I, I think they did extremely well. I thought the matches were great. Um, I think they put them in the best order possible. Um, I love that AEW showcase a lot more main events um, that are women, female ma- main events. I think that that is one of their strengths. They know when the, uh, when a match between two women is going to be um, a, a main eventer and actually successfully work. And so... Yeah, I think overall for its first rampage, it was good. There was slight disappointment at certain someone not being there, but I mean, I'm hoping for the best. That 
it will still come true. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, like I said, that's nearly it for today. Uh, but finally, yeah. uh, with AEW now having Dynamite, Rampage, Dark and Elevation, is it too much or is it still manageable? Um, I think from someone who watches all shows, um, I think it is manageable. And the only reason why I say that is because we have, AEW have a lot of new talent. Um, and these two shows on YouTube, Dark and Elevation, they're just a little bit of fun. Um, and they end up showcasing wrestlers that are actually trying to better themselves. Like, um, I think they're doing it in a really well done way where they're actually giving the, 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 each wrestler on their roster ample amount of time, you know, and especially because they, a lot of them are still new or still, you know, training to kind of take, be able to take on that level of like having that many people watching you these two uh, shows that are on youtube uh really help you know these these younger talent wrestlers just kind of start getting used to that start finding their characters start developing them um so yeah i i think it is manageable um i think that it depends on whether or not they're keeping rampage an hour long but if they do end up making it two hours they should probably get rid of the other um i don't think they have to get rid of them both I do think that they yeah should get either rid of the Monday or the Tuesday night. Um, but we'll see we'll see what happens because they might just end up keeping it as an hour. Yeah, well, but one thing we both can agree on: AEW has been uh, really, really good this past month, hasn't it? It really has. It's it's been on a real roll. I think um, there's potential for it to um, continuously uh, contain this role and keep going with it. We just need to see kind of where things are going to go with some of these stories. But it's a very exciting time for AEW because they have a lot of sort of new attention right now. Um, so they're just breaking it in and, and making sure they're getting everything. Without a shadow of a doubt. But that is it for today. Don't forget across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. Do you want to just let people know where you're available? Yep, I'm available across Twitter and Instagram, both at Jaxie Scarlett. You can find me there. Uh, WNR also on Facebook and Instagram across all the Google platforms so this email at podcast at gmail.com and YouTube WNR podcast even have all the latest clips and podcasts at the same time on YouTube is do SoundCloud on your phone also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there so that is it and we talked about AEW having an important time uh, the WNR podcast is going through some uh, huge moments and changes at this, this moment as well of course our next episode will be the SummerSlam live part in which be fantastic if you can join us on that one jacksy that would be great i look forward to it uh, and not only that uh we have got also of course the SummerSlam review show that we'll be bringing you uh the week after uh and also if you're still if you're up for it uh of mm-hmm. course we've got AEW uh all out coming we can do another three episodes of dynamite and rampage building up towards the pay-per-view as well in uh, about two or three weeks time brilliant that sounds great to me all right awesome because i said and i've said this now to monty i've said it to the old monocle say it to you is that you know we've been working together now for a year um Mm. uh, maybe even a little bit longer and to me and i know you've got other projects and other stuff that you do like the o-face um pogged and you know all these other stuff and i don't want to kind of infringe on that but to me you're you're a a proper wnr team member like you are part of the family yay (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm very happy about that and I'm very pleased to take on that role as being part of the WNR family. And, um, you know, I am, uh, you know, still with O-Face Wrestling, but 
we are taking a break from podcasting at the moment so we're not doing much um so this again is just quite exciting for me because i can still podcast with yourselves um and it's uk based whereas old face wrestling is us based so i definitely would consider myself as part of your family Perfect. Like I said, hashtag WNR for a- anything like that. And of course, uh, we'll, we'll change it up as well. But like I said, the next episode yeah. will be Summer Sam Live. But hopefully, like I said, the whole family can join together. We've probably got like, an annoying drunk uncle will show up as well, hopefully. Uh, you know, like, like all good parties. Uh, but until then, um, I have been Jay Vos and I was joined by the fantastic Jack Scott. Again, thank you very much for joining me. It is always a pleasure and ever a draw. having me too. I, it's been great again. I look forward to the next time no problems all right so i'll speak to you next weekend and i'll see everybody next weekend like i said for the massive summer slam live party thanks for this everybody and bye